Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. Joining us now is a guy who is celebrating his birthday week, and he also will be telling us everything that happened in Vegas. That's right, it doesn't stay there because we have Eric Bischoff on the line. Hey, Eric. Good evening. Good to see you back, Christy. Thank you so much. Glad to be back, and I'm happy to be here to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm sure you have uh, wishes coming from here and there and everywhere. Are there people that come out of the woodwork at a time like this that you're like, happy birthday from so-and-so? Wow, I forgot they existed. No, no. But what does happen is occasionally I'll get a happy birthday on a text on my phone, and it's a number that I don't recognize or is not in my – you know, not in my contact list. So when the number comes up and somebody, you know, wishes me a gives a nice long message wishing me a happy birthday, and I'm thinking, thank you so much, but who are you? New phone, who dis? <laughs> oh, we love that. Well, and I'm sure you had tons of fun in Vegas this weekend. We do want to talk a little bit about the best of 83 weeks, but I thought we could play a fun little game kind of celebrating you since it is your birthday week this week. And uh, we're going to ask you a couple of questions about yourself and we'll see All if right. you can remember these things. I know you've you've done a lot in your day. So, how well do you know yourself, Eric Bischoff? Starting with how many pay per view matches do you think you've had? Oh, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't I don't like to call them matches. I think that's like false advertising and misrepresentation, borderline fraud. Um, but how many how many times have I been booked in a match? Yeah, let's <laughs> go with that. I would say probably about five or six. Oh, wow. Oh, That's wow. pretty close. Not terribly close. Eric, you have been in nine pay-per-view matches. You've been in includes... one. You've been in them all. They all kind of seem the same. At least for me, because the ending is always the same. Hell, the match is always the same. With that said, do you oh, have a favorite match that I you've had? The bell rings. I get my ass kicked. I go home. It's the same thing over and over again. <laughs> there was one in TNA, three in WCW, and five with WWE. Man. Really? Do you have a favorite match out of all of them? Uh, I think, you know, Steve Austin in Montreal, that was, yeah, that was a big damn deal. That was pretty that fun. That was pretty special, huh? Well, also a big damn deal, Controversy Creates Cash, written by one and only Eric Bischoff. Do you remember what month and year your book came out? I bet that that totally ruled your life for years, probably writing this book. And now, can you even remember the month or the year it came out? I believe it was in the fall of 2007. Oh, it was October 2006. Oh, even longer ago than you thought, man. (laughs) Still selling copies on that one. All right. The final question. Can you get this one? You have won two, uh, was it pro wrestling illustrated awards for feud of the year? Not one, but two. Do you remember who those few winning feuds were with? Uh, I know one of them was Vince McMahon. And because they had this really horrible cover of us on the cover. (laughs) It was like this animated, you know, really bad comic book cover 1996 
Yeah, so I think that was one of them. And I would, it would have to be Ric Flair if there was another one. Oh, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But uh, we're keeping that. this one all in the family, actually. It was Stephanie McMahon in 2002. Yeah, so, hey, uh, I guess you don't know yourself incredibly well. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Study, study up. I study up. <laughs> I just don't read anything about me, that's all. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I do want to touch on something that you talked about, well, that we uh, recapped on on this episode of 83 Weeks. And there was this crazy story about you trying to intimidate people by taking out your fake teeth and cracking your knuckles and the whole thing. And that one was pretty silly. But there are a lot of um, fables out there, stories about you, about who you are, how you treated people or how you acted to things that are completely false. How do you reconcile that? Like, how do you deal with that? And does it bother you? And do you want to set the record straight? Um, I would be lying if I said it didn't bother me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It doesn't bother me as much now at all. Is it? It used to bother me more, you know. Um, but as I've gotten older, and you know, just time has gone by. It's kind of like, ugh, who cares? I don't really care. Those who know me know me. Those who don't, don't. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> it's not really. You know, it's interesting to set the record straight, <clears throat> and that's oftentimes what we do by way of our discussion on the 83 weeks. But, you know, the, the, the pleasure I get out of it now is really breaking some of those situations down. For example, when Conrad says, according to so-and-so, you know, you did this and this and this, and you said this and this and this. And, you know, I always start with, well, how would that person know that? You know, unless that writer was in the room with me, which they never were, you know, how would they have that point of view and that perspective of me when they're, they're never around me and they weren't – you know, at the incident that they were writing about. Well, the obvious answer is they got that information secondhand or thirdhand. And more often than not, that secondhand, thirdhand information came to whatever writer we're talking about with an agenda. So, you know, and I, you know, I knew it back then and I know it now and it bothers me less now. But of course, when people say things about you that are just blatantly false, it does bother you. Now, I'll also admit and I know this is probably, you know, leading into another question of a similar nature. You know, I also realize now, more so than I did a long time ago, that when I get intense, and I do, uh, when I get focused, and I do, I can come off pretty aloof and fairly aggressive. And it's not because I am. It's because I tend to get into a zone and I start ignoring the things and oftentimes people around me to the extent that someone will walk right by me and I'm in the middle of a thought and I, I'll walk right by them and I won't really even see them. Now that can come off as me being a jackass <laughs> to not even make eye contact or, or say hello or, you know, any of the normal things that people would do, I guess. Uh, and that's just part of my personality. It's not that I didn't care about people or I didn't respect them or, appreciate them. It's just that 75% of the time, I had a lot of shit on my mind. Mm -hmm. And I, I was juggling hand grenades more often than not. 
And I can understand how people would see me from a distance or see me operating in that environment and go, man, that guy's a real dick. Um, I get it. And I probably was from time to time. Um, sorry for that. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> You're so self-aware, Eric. No, like, no do-overs. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. Go ahead, guys. So you've been doing this show for about a year. You know, we've heard a little bit of the best of on last, uh, last night's episode. But is there any topic that you've covered that you feel like once you hit that stop button, you're like, oh, I forgot to say this or I forgot to say that. Like you just had so much more insight that you had to provide but just maybe forgot after that episode? It's not so much uh, – I mean sometimes you forget things. You know, a lot of this stuff, as I've said so many times, it happened 20, 25 years ago. It's one moment out of 5,000 hours of pretty intense stuff. So sometimes it's, it's easy to forget some of the smaller beats or details of even some of the bigger beats. And what I do find, and they're never big things, but oftentimes when I get done with an episode, I'll say to myself, damn, I wish we would have gone into a little more detail on this or on that because it could have been a clearer picture. People maybe would be able to understand the fuller context more. Um, But that only occurs most of the time when Conrad and I are really getting into the details of something. And it's like you start digging into a subject, right? And you're pulling these things out of the past and you're connecting dots and you're telling these stories. And some of them are revealing themselves to you as you're talking about them because they're 20-year-old memories, right? And it's not until you kind of open up that box and start digging through it do you go, oh, yeah, I forgot I even had that. Oh, I remember that shirt. Oh, there's that ring I thought I lost. You know, and it, it kind of comes up in the middle of the conversation and oftentimes I hang up and go, gosh, I wish we would have had more time or we would have gone into more detail. So you've now done this show for a little over a year. You, you've kind of addressed this on yourself, but in this last year, what would you say you've learned the most about you? And then also in this case, Conrad. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I'll start with what, what have I learned about myself? I think this process has been a little cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of my history in wrestling, although it, there's been so many great things, I don't want to make this sound like a sad story. I wouldn't trade all of the great things for all of. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade them. The good things and the great things and the bad things. I wouldn't trade any of it because so much good has come out of it for me personally, for my family. The, the experiences my kids have been able to have, the opportunities they've been able to, to have in life in general, um, the people that they've met in wrestling and that they still have relationships with to this day, even though they're young adults themselves. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But there was also a lot of dark periods of time. Um, and and I, the way I operate is I just put the whole box in a corner. That's why I forget that I have shit in it. I just take the whole box – I compartmentalize it as best I can, and I stuff it in a a closet somewhere where I know I'm not going to have to look at it again, and I move on with my life. And in the beginning of doing these shows, and especially the way Conrad approached them with me, he was taking, you know, he was taking a pretty hard line on some of it. And I found myself in the first probably five or six episodes, I was I was way too defensive. You know, I went into the show like this. Yeah. Mm I was ready to fight the minute he said three, two, one. <laughs> and, 
And he's taking you know, out his teeth and cracking his knuckles, people. Oh, uh, and, and listening <laughs> back to them, you know, and I have listened back to them, especially when I first did them. I went, God, nobody's going to enjoy listening to this, you know. And and so, first of all, I recognized that I was doing that, but the cathartic part of it for me is the more I go back and look at things and put them into context, the easier for me it is to talk about them because. I understand what was going on and why it was going on, you know, what decisions we made and why we made it, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, it didn't matter. When you can talk about why you made those decisions within the context of the time period you're talking about, I don't feel as defensive about it. You know, I don't, I, I don't feel the need to bring my hands up. And I think what I've, I think what I believe, and I only say that because my, my feelings for what I'm about to say is generally brought about by wrestling fans and people that I see in these shows that I do coming up to me and go, Oh man, in the beginning, you know, it was really kind of cool and entertaining listening to you yell at each other, but I really like the amount of detail you two get into. And I'm hearing that more and more and more. Now I recognize when people see me, they're going to tell me what they think I want to hear. It's human nature. It's just people being kind, right? I'm not discouraging that behavior whatsoever, <laughs> but, I, but, I also, but I also recognize it for what it is. Right. And, I know I'm hearing that. Now, I don't know if it's actually true across the boards or if it's because we're not yelling at each other. We're not putting on that show. And part of it was a show. For me, at least, I thought that's what the audience wanted to hear, so I would react accordingly. But now that we've kind of gotten away from that, for the most part, we'll still get into it once in a while, but it's rare. Uh, what, we're, what we are doing is going into a much more mature and, dare I say, educated conversation about the good and the bad and the ugly. And I, I find that more interesting for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't get as angry, so that's good. <laughs> but th- So then what about Conrad? What have I learned about Conrad? Well, I, you know, I, I want to say I haven't learned much because I read Conrad pretty well um, in the beginning. Uh, he's an incredibly smart, in his own way, focused And I say that with respect because he's got his fingers in so many different things Mm -hmm. that it's hard to be completely focused 100% of time on any one of them. But he is um, in a way that I've not quite seen before. Um, He's he's intuitive. He's got a very good insight. He's got a very good read on people and situations. Uh, And I think that comes from the fact that he's a really good salesman. You know, at his core, at his foundation, he will tell you this. He's a great salesman. He and I both know, and so am I, by the way. And I was a salesman long before I got into wrestling, and I'm, I've been a salesman while I've been in wrestling for the most part. But, you know, when you reach a level like Conrad has professionally, you know, your ability to sell is it, – it mandates that you have a good read on people and that you're very intuitive. And that's one thing that I've really seen a lot more of with Conrad. Well, he's the guy who had you in Las Vegas this last weekend for StarCast. I just have to know, when all you guys get together and you see a lot of the veterans or uh, maybe people you haven't seen in a long time, what was the buzz amongst that group this weekend? What were they talking about? What was the hot topic of conversation? What was the big news? Well, you know, I laid pretty low. I didn't do a lot of socializing. I I was in bed every night by 9 o'clock. Do you believe that? No, man. That's typically oh, what you do in Vegas. I'm not so You're sure. You're in bed by do, nine. Eric. 
it's it's absolutely the truth. You know, I, I got up early every morning because I generally had to be where, you know, most of my calls were like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, which means I was on stage, mm-hmm. which means I had to be wide awake, drink two pots of coffee, have my shower, go through my morning, you know, mental rituals uh, so that I can get out there and do something that's not quite horrible. Um, so I started pretty early and I didn't want to I didn't want to show up beat up you know i didn't want to show up half-assed because i knew it was a big show for conrad so i got up early i did all my stuff all of my stuff was spread pretty much throughout the entire day so i never had any real big blocks of time off it was always an hour here and an hour there you just go grab a bite to eat or walk around come back do another show um by the time i was done i was pretty tired and i you know and i had a couple beers i hung, hung out at the bar you know at the hotel was with some people you know i hung out with steve you know for a little while I'm um, sorry. Kind of past each other. That, that would be uh, Kaufman, not Austin, I assume. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, you know, I hung around with the usual suspects. You know, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X Pac. I spent a lot of time with them. Uh, spent some time with Stevie Ray. Spent a lot of time with Scott Norton, Sonny Ono, uh, Road Warrior, um, Animal. Those are the guys that I know. Ernest Miller. These are these are guys that I normally see, you know, pretty frequently. So for us, it's just another day at the office. And we didn't really talk about AEW because none of us are really that close to it, right? Mm-hmm. But what I did hear in conversations that I was really not part of but were going on around me was that buzz, what, what that show was going to be like and the energy. You know, the energy in the, in the – and I'm talking about at Caesars Palace. I didn't even go over to MGM for the reasons I discussed earlier. Um, I didn't want to stir up all the rumors and innuendo and nonsense. Why? Was Eric but, Bischoff there? Is he working? <laughs> oh my God! Is he the twenty-third man? I don't know what <laughs> you know, I, I, I just didn't want to deal with it, and I didn't want the people at AEW to deal with it either, because mm-hmm. there would be a lot of that in the internet for a few days, and it's a pain in the ass, really. So I just elected to stay away, knowing I would get home and watch it. Now the next day, uh, Sunday, I had I did a show with Bruce Pritchard and Tony Schiavone first thing in the morning, Sunday morning, and all the buzz I heard was about the show itself and how phenomenal it was. So that I was hearing everywhere. People were saying it to me. I ran into Dustin Rhodes. You know, we talked briefly. Uh, People were telling me how phenomenal the show was. And then as I walked through Caesars Palace, you know, that's all anybody was talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking about that buzz and, you know, from experience that, you know, just because maybe you might beat Raw one week in the ratings doesn't mean you're automatically number one. If AEW does get higher ratings than a Raw or a SmackDown, what do you think their next step should be in maybe getting, you know, maybe even dethroning WWE as the number one promotion? I, I mean, so many of these conversations and questions all kind of go back to that, meaning they, they're all, they all go back to AEW displacing WWE. And, and I, I'm not saying it's not possible. I just don't think it's realistic that it will happen. Your, your first question was a good one. What if on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, because I don't even know they know what night of the week they're going to be on quite yet, which is not unusual, by the way, this early in the season. They're still jockeying their schedules around. But let's just say they end up on a Tuesday night. And one Tuesday night, they end up getting a 2.8, and Monday Night Raw gets a 2.6. Well, that's cool. You know, you have to – now, they're not head-to-head, all right? So you didn't really take away their audience. 
It's not like you opened up a restaurant on this corner and I opened up a restaurant on this corner and all of a sudden I'm taking all of your, your dinner traffic because people <laughs> prefer my restaurant over yours. That's head-to-head competition. What we're talking about here is not head-to-head competition. So it's, it's kind of a false equi- equivalent right off the bat. But to answer your question as succinctly as I can without spending two hours, if I were them, knowing what I know now, I would be far more concerned about my consistency long-term and maintaining my momentum long-term than I would be about being excited over something that happened in the short-term. Because in, in, in all of this, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the last 32 years especially when it comes to television because it especially now in in 2019 because if you don't get an audience like by the third act yeah yeah. you know you're you're kind of toast you don't get a lot of time to prove yourself but as difficult as is that challenge is to to reach a certain number and create some momentum the only thing harder than that is maintaining it it's a lot easier to create momentum than it is to maintain it. That's where it gets really hard. And the audience can get really fickle. So my advice, if that were to happen, because that was a good question, is to don't pat yourself on the back, don't brag about it. You know, you can high five each other in the confines of your own office, but focus on the long term. And you know, d- don't worry about embracing the underdog status. It will serve you well. Hold on to that underdog status just as long as you can. Because once you're no longer the underdog, that's when shit really gets tough. Wow, no no better guy to give that advice. Yeah. I wanna go back to Starcast. Because <laughs> I know you were, you know, talking with the people that you're close with, not necessarily about AEW, which is cool, but I love my stories. I love finding out different stories about different wrestlers. I was curious with anything that was talked about. Did you hear a story that you haven't heard before, and is it something that you're able to share? So here's what happens, and I, I had so much fun. I, I cannot – I tried to explain to my wife over the phone how much fun I had because she was like you, Christy. She, well, I'd say to her, hey, because I wouldn't even call her. I would, I'd go to bed so early. I'd, go, I'd lay down and watch TV, and I'd fall asleep, and it would be like 4.30 in the morning, time to get up. And I realized, God, I didn't even call my wife. And I call her in the morning and I say, hey, I'm sorry. I was in bed by nine o'clock last night. I just fell asleep. And she's like, right. <laughs> right. right. But it's true. Um, but I was telling her on one of those phone calls just how much fun I had with Scott Norton, um, Road Warrior Animal, uh, Sonny Ono, Ernest Miller, Scott Norton's wife, Tammy. She is so funny. She is so funny. Um, here's one story. It's a Scott Norton story. Yes, and you have to know Scott. Scott Norton to really appreciate this. <laughs> he is he is the funniest. He's the sweetest, funniest monster of a human being you'd ever meet in your life. And he was telling the story. And I, this is another one of the stories I forgot all about. Because when it happened, it was really insignificant to me. But Scott Norton's wife, I'll give you a little backdrop. Scott Norton's wife is tough as nails. She puts up with no crap physically or any other way from any man, including Scott. He's scared to death of her. And by the way, by the way, so was I. <laughs> she was that tough. And 
Scott was telling a story about how when Kevin Green, who was then playing, I think, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or maybe he was playing for Charlotte, was working with us. And evidently, you know, Kevin Green came up to me and he was really concerned about because he had a match with Scott Norton. And he was really concerned because Scott was a big, tough, kind of Japanese snug kind of guy. And Kevin was a Pro Bowl football player that didn't really want to end up, you know, three months in traction. So he came up to me and he was a little nervous about Scott. He goes, man, I don't know about Scott Hart. I, you know, you think I'm going to be safe with him? I said, oh, you'll be safe with Scott. Just watch out for his wife. <laughs> and I guess Kevin proceeded to tell that story. <laughs> Scott, Norton. Scott just about wet himself when he heard it because he knows it's true. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, you got a good I, one. I'm happy. <laughs> uh, well, one of my favorite things about uh, your 83 week show is when you completely bash Vince Russo. So I'm kind of begging you to oh, do that God. after my next comment is he said it's something in a tweet where he said, if you don't think AEW and, and WWE are in bed together, then you got to be foolish. Like there's something wrong with you if you don't think they're in bed together. Can you just respond to him? Because I like I like hearing you bash Vince Russo. You know, and I know this comes up a lot, and I know once I'm doing the podcast and Conrad has a way of, you know, finding the right button to push and exactly when to push it, and I get worked up and I go off on a little bit of a rant, and I, I'm not going to do that, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you why. When I saw what happened to Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame, I got so angry about that. Now, everybody knows Bret Hart and I are, you know, we, we don't eat dinner together. We don't send each other Christmas cards. None of that's ever going to happen, right? Yeah. But that doesn't take anything away from the fact that Bret Hart deserves a tremendous amount of respect. We may see things differently. We may remember things differently, as people often do. But when I saw that guy hit the ring and steal that moment, especially under the circumstances it was under, steal that moment – you know, I made up my mind right then, and I tweeted something about it the moment it happened. And I made up my mind then, I'm just I'm just not going to bury people like that. It's just, I'm, I don't want to be negative like that. Now, if someone calls me out or has something to say about me um, directly, you know, I may respond to it in kind. But to just constantly, you know, bash on Vince Russo, first of all, I don't think he's mentally stable. <laughs> You know, I mean, look at the body of his Twitter work and his his podcasts and all the things he's been doing for the last year or two years or three years. It's all fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I'm, I mean, it's like kind of unstable kind of nuts. I'm not saying he's crazy or anything like that. I'm just saying he's just – I don't take anything he says seriously. I don't think too many other people do. There may be a small handful out there that want to. And it's – look, he's throwing that out there. I don't know if he believes it or not could – actually could care less but if he's just throwing it out there to get traffic it's an easy it's a, that's that's cheap heat mm -hmm. because that's what everybody wants to believe the minute um sammy came out and dropped aew it's like boom social media blows up whoa he's gonna get fired vince is probably losing his mind oh my god well we find out it was part of the script Oh, well, yeah, then they must be working together. <laughs> okay? You know, if you need to believe that, if that's what makes you excited about the product, God almighty, have at it. Enjoy it however you want. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's kind of a fun, positive note to end up on. Um, and, uh, of course, we want to know how you're celebrating the rest of your special week, Eric. You got big plans? The wife coming back to town soon? 
she's coming back tomorrow and we've literally been apart over the last three weeks we've been together for two days oh my gosh yeah she was down in florida for a couple weeks because our son and our daughter um were busy with something and she went down to help them with that and then she came home for like two days well i was gone i was traveling i was in the uk and bouncing bouncing around and we were home here for two days last week and then i had to go to vegas and she went to la so she's coming in tomorrow. I'm here for the next four or five days. I don't have to travel again for a little bit. And uh, we're just going to catch up, probably do some oh. cooking. It's getting nice outside. I think it's time to grill. Yeah. So there you go. We may have to start that up. Cool. Well, enjoy your time. And uh, any idea what you're going to be covering next week on 83 Weeks? No. You know, Conrad's down in Mexico. Yeah. I saw him Sunday, and he had this – vacuous look on his face like his eyes were open and he was looking at me but it's not there there's nothing going on and i was you know going to try to talk to him about the show coming up and what day he wanted to do it so i could plan my week and all that kind of stuff but i felt like i was talking to the walking dead yeah so i figured he'll just text me when he's ready and he'll tell me and he'll give me enough time we'll figure it out good well we will be looking forward to it all right thanks all right, Eric. Thanks, Eric. thank you bye-bye Oh, all right. Well, are you happy, Christian? I got a story. story I love stories. I love hearing stories about about wrestlers and weird interactions, and that was a weird one. So I was okay (laughs) with that. Uh, It was fun breaking down uh, the best of 83 weeks. I can't wait to see what they are going to be covering next week. But if you guys want to talk about it, where can they reach out to you, Christian Rosenberg? You can follow me on Twitter at Rosenberg, Instagram, TheRosenberg, ProSynthes.com, slash Christian Rosenberg. And Devastator 2 and Dennis Evil actually have a show on... Uh, wrestling Pro Wrestling, Brian Kendrick's twitch.tv slash WPW. George will tell you more about it, right? Oh, really? I thought you, I thought you were going to go on it. Uh, yeah, we're going to... Friday... I try to pass it to you because you're part of that No, plug. because I always forget. Sorry, this Friday in Suburban, California at the Burbank Moose Lodge at 8.30. Be there. Be square. It's going to be live. It's going to be great. It's going to be hilarious. I was going to say, my guess is going to be like a... It's Great American Bash season. So my oh. guess is probably gonna be like oh, they, they seem to go with ninety seven a lot. So my guess is gonna be Great American Bash ninety seven. You can follow me at G Hermosa, G H E R M O Z A on on Twitch, on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. And you guys can always hit me up at Christie Reports. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our juicy tidbits with Eric. And we will see you next week for Big Mystery. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. All right, perf. Now we'll start now, from the now, top. Now, now we do a very short <laughs> first half of the yeah. show. This will be, be real short. Oh yeah, real short. Yeah, it was a greatest hit hits episode anyway, so it it'll be fine. It's the best of eight. Uh, no, just tell me when to go and I'll start with my little This Week On. And then you can play the thing and the whole stuff and the the thing and the stuff. (laughs) All right. It's the best of 83 weeks plus. Can you hear me? Is that on? Should I not? Should I have just kept going? Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay, sorry. Keep it. It didn't sound like a thing. Okay.
It's the best of 83 weeks. Plus, we're talking to Eric Bischoff about what happened in Vegas. You listen to them. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. It is time for the buzz to begin. We are breaking down all the big reveals, the awesome stories, everything from this episode of The Best of 83 Weeks. My name is Christy Olson, and joining us this week, we we do not have our one Steve Kaufman. He is still hanging in Vegas from the big AEW weekend. He he lost all his money, um, so he can't afford to get back. I just pictured him on the road with his thumb out That's there. That's pretty much what's happening right now. But we're here. Hello. We are. Hello, Christian Rosenberg, a veteran of the biz and the host of the SmackDown After Buzz TV he- show. Hello, Christy Olsen. How are you doing? I am great, thank you. Excellent. Happy to be here back with you guys. And uh, another one who they call the Devastator 2 on the independent scene, but we call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment. Hi, George Ramosa. Hello there. You were sincerely missed last week. Thank but we you. are very happy that. that you are back with us at After 83 Weeks. I'm I, happy to. I, I was confused on doing the intro last week because it says Christy Olsen, and that's not me. That's not you. But we figure that his name is the closest to Christy Olsen. So. Yeah, Christian is the closest Christian to Christy we have on the panel. Rosen. You guys, you did a great job, and um, you did make me laugh. Oh. And I assume you made uh, all of our listeners out there laugh as well. And our viewers, remember, we are on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button so that you never miss any of the good stuff we got going on here. We would love a little thumbs up. And you can also listen on Apple Podcasts if that's what you like to do. We would appreciate a five-star rating and leave a little comment. Let us know what you think about the show. We are going to be talking to the one and only Eric Bischoff a little bit later, asking him about his experience at StarCast this weekend and following up a little bit on this episode of 83 Weeks. It was really fun to kind of look back. They've been going for a year now with this show. And it was fun to go back and kind of remember some of our favorite moments. There was one that I didn't remember at all. I don't know if I missed that episode or what, but um, it was great to take a look back. And what I want to do with you guys Uh-oh. is uh, kind of uh, pick your brains about what you have thought were your favorite moments from this show. So, uh, but thoughts first on what they decided to put in this best of. Is it what you were expecting? We knew we were going to get that shouting match I mean, about uh, the man is tan and all that. I business. mean, a little bit. I was kind of. I thought they were going to play something specific because they were leading up to that when Jericho was in WCW. Mm-hmm. There was one part in the episode where because they were covering Jericho's book, they were like, "Oh, well, Jericho went on for a con, or he, Bishop wanted to resign a contract," and then Jericho said no, and then Bishop was like, "Well, we would no ticket, no laundry." But like, I wanted to hear that from Conrad because they said on the original Jericho, "No ticket, no laundry, come on!" But they kind of cut that, cut it out right before that happened, but I mean, I'll, I'll take a shouting match, the whole, it was daytime thing, which, to me, that was more shocking, like, when you really look back about it, you're like, huh, it was daytime during the, when that happened, and they were in Virginia, like, how do we never think about that? Yeah, that, that is true. I was kind of surprised that their best of episode, there was, I don't think, anything that they filmed in 2019. No, it was a lot of the older stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if there would be like, all right, this is part one of the best of, maybe we'll get a part two at some point down the road. Oh, I wonder if Conrad was setting that up for himself because he knew he was going to have a busy weekend. <laughs> Why? What maybe, happened? Maybe we'll get the what best of. What, what went down this past weekend? I, don't, I think he like invited some wrestlers to like some thing with some people and some stuff. I mean, you know. Read the dirt sheets, Rosenberg. I don't know what those are. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to, I thought we could name, maybe, I came up with some uh, some fabulous categories, some very Christy reports categories for you, gentlemen. Ooh. So, let's be naming the juiciest reveal 
ever on the show. Maybe um, the most shocking story. And I think also because you guys tend to take Eric to task a lot and say, oh, I'm not sure I believe all that. We want to go with craziest explanation. Maybe a time when you did not buy what Eric was selling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Geez. I never did that in the beginning. I think I was going to have a segment where I call BS on some yeah, of the you, segments. Yeah, you were working really but, hard for that but, segment. But then, but then we started getting Bischoff on and I just got too afraid to call him out on his BS. <laughs> but I mean, if anything... Clearly that fear has... Dissipated, but if, but if anything, the, the some of the craziest explanations. I mean, they actually covered it in this episode of the Best of, where you had the, the whole Starcade Sting Hogan finish, and you had kind of Bischoff saying, "Well, Hogan would never do that," but then Conrad would be like, "Yo, like just a couple months ago, Hogan would say like, you know, the, the most successful guy in the business is the guy with the championship. So why wouldn't he want to have like a screw job finish?" And I thought that was like. Thing, I, I like that they recapped that part because I really think that was a more important part of, of the episode where we all kind of called BS on something that Bischoff would say about like you know that Terry was all business and whatnot. Where see see my my favorite stories because you know I I love my stories um, I, I love my stories but <laughs> I like the ones when we're hearing stories about people we wouldn't generally hear a story about the NWO Sting story blows my mind. That they talked about how he's still getting work as the NWO sting. Uh, the story about Scott Norton in Korea. Yeah. That blew my mind. Like, those stories, like, yeah, obviously we'll get plenty of the stories about Hogan and Flair and, and Eric and things like that. But, but those other stories of, like, of the supporting cast members, because, uh, you know, they, they had these roles too. Mm-hmm. Those are the stories that I get most around to because they're the ones that aren't talked about as much. That's interesting, because I was going to say, like, for most shocking story, probably Eric going for the run in, in North Korea. Sure. You know, but but you're right that it's great to hear, too, about what was going on with everybody else Yeah, back in the day. And uh, as far as juiciest reveals go, there are so many. I don't know if I could even whittle it down. And... Uh, well, one major one, his Eric's whole story about Bill Watts, and so this goes back quite a ways to when we kind of started first doing our show, so they were maybe halfway in. Um, but all of that, I thought, was very juicy. And another one that was really actually from our show and not from their show, but was something that we asked him about and he followed up on and then juicily revealed um, some things about Missy Hyatt and accusations that she made against mm-hmm. him and um, a lawsuit that she brought to the company that was erroneous. And I, I mean, I thought that stuff was pretty juicy. He and def- we got it right here. He definitely went into a lot more detail on this show mm-hmm. than he did on, on on 83 Weeks, which I'm very grateful for, obviously. And, yeah, little things like that. And we always have fun with him here, and it's always great. We always, always learned a lot. Like, if anything, even going back to the actual show, when he described – because we always say, like, oh, the Hollywood Blonde, Austin and Pillman, oh, they broke up too soon. They broke up too early. But when he explained it – this was before we started covering the show. When he explained it, I'm like – that is total genius on why like it would make sense for them not to not to be together. So, uh, so I, I learn a little bit of something new about the business almost every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say one that sticks out as far as any type of juicy you know uh, reveals or anything are um, when he talked about his very first night in WWE and you know how people would react to him, the interaction with Vince and Stephanie and everything like that. You know, I found that to be you know. Because obviously we knew like the little things that we saw on TV. We've heard little bits and pieces here or there. But I don't think we've gotten in that much depth mm-hmm. as we got in the episode. And then we got to break it down on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just one last thing. How about Eric explaining the giant being pushed off the cliff to his death, coming back later at Halloween Havoc 95 to win the title as just like, well, you got to suspend your disbelief. It was Halloween. I buy it. 
I mean, I think. Okay. I mean, I think the the big. I, I don't mind that. I don't mind him falling off the cliff. I mind him selling a back rake about an hour later. <laughs> the back rake was more painful than falling off a building. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, either way, we have had a lot of fun breaking down the show with Eric every week and and listening every week. And um, speaking of, I think it's probably time to get him on the line. We want to ask about uh, his experience this weekend and a little bit of a follow-up to this. So stay tuned because we will be right back with Eric Bischoff. No. No, huh? No, that should be good. We should have everything we need. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan. And scene. And-